Well, amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 16. Uh, I want to share a message entitled, I am with you. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Flowers that are up here in the uh, pulpit area in memory of uh, Denise Morton's brother who went home to be with the Lord this past week. And certainly our prayers go out to the family and we're thankful that God in his grace gives eternal life. Amen. And so be sure to stop by and let her know you're praying for her. Just encourage her, uh, she and, and her husband and her family and do whatever you can do to be an encouragement. It's a great time, to, an opportunity for you to do so. But the Lord laid on my heart. I was out in California this week uh, interviewing for job positions in our church and school and all that. And the uh, Lord laid this message on my heart. I am with you. And I was reading through Matthew chapter 28. And so my prayer is it'll be a help to you, it'll be an encouragement to you, strengthen you today with the reality of the presence of God. In Matthew chapter 28, in verse 16, uh, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, uh, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful this morning for just the blessings of God to be upon us. We're thankful for the fact that Jesus saves and secures us throughout all eternity. We're thankful, Lord, that the promise comes from um, the mouth of Jesus that he would be with us always. And so I pray, God, you would impress that on our hearts this morning as we study the word of God together. I pray, Lord, that we might understand the great commission that is given here that uh, we were to go out and to win others to Christ. We're to teach them the word of God. We're to secure them in the faith. And Lord, what a great promise we have in reference to fulfilling that commission that you promised you'd be with us. And so Lord, I pray if there's anyone here with us this morning that's not saved, God, our prayer would be that they would have faith to believe to the saving of their soul. And Lord, they would come and receive Christ as their savior. I pray for every believer this morning that we'll be strengthened in our faith. Uh, we'll be challenged, Lord, just not to just live day by day, but to really, uh, Lord, in a positive way, be a testimony and an outreach for Christ. And so, Lord, bless us. Bless the preaching of the Word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Uh, certainly we know at this point in the scriptures and the gospels, uh, uh, Jesus Christ has been crucified, uh, died, was buried. Three days later, he rose out of the grave. And now he is meeting with his disciples uh, just prior to his ascension into heaven. And his meeting with his disciples were to give last minute instructions to them of what their life was to be about and what their focus was to be. And he tells them uh, that they were to go everywhere preaching the gospel. They were to teach all nations. They were to baptize them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. And then disciple them in their faith in Christ. 
that they might be able literally to reproduce themselves and tell others how to be saved. But right in the middle of this great, what we call the Great Commission, Jesus interjects this great promise that I am with you. And I don't think there's any greater promise that we can experience than the reality that God is always with us. Uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He has always promised that he would be with us. There's never a moment in your life as a Christian when God is not with you. Uh, where can you go to hide from the Spirit of God? You can't hide. You can't go anywhere. Uh, wherever you are, there he is. Uh, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He is ever-present in you. He, Jesus promised that he would send the Comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And the amazing thing is, there's never a time when we're out of the presence of God. But yet, many times, we act like we are. I like what Max Lucado said. He said, don't equate the presence of God with a good mood or a pleasant temperament. God is near whether you're happy or not. And oftentimes we say, well, I'm just, I'm just rejoicing because the Lord's with me. Well, when you got that bad attitude, he's with you also. Uh, well, I'm just enjoying my walk with God as I fellowship in the church and as I go out soul winning and as I share my faith. Well, the reality is when you're gossiping about one another and then you're uh, not willing to go out soul winning, not willing to share your faith, he's still with you. There's never a time in your life when he's not with you. And so he says, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. And so the disciples were about ready to face some fierce persecution. Uh, we look at the world we live in and, and certainly where we are in America, and we look at our world and we complain about so many things about suffering for Christ, but the reality is we suffered nothing, nothing in comparison to what the disciples would suffer because of their faith in Christ. Under Roman rule, do you realize how many Christians were executed and made sport of just because of the fact that they were Christians? And yet we do not suffer those things. But the thing that was going to empower them and impact their life and give them faith and strength to continue on was the reality of the presence of God. And it's not just by chance that in the midst of all this last minute instruction that Jesus just says, remember, I'm with you. And uh, he knew that would be a means of source and strength in their life to be able to live their Christian life and to be a testimony of God's grace. So I am with you. Uh, I'm with you in the storms of life. It's important to understand that when the storms of life come, they will come, uh, that Jesus Christ is with you. If you turn over just one gospel there to Mark, and you go into Mark chapter 4, and look at verse 35, you find the storm of, in the life of the disciples as they are on the sea, in the ship, and the storm comes. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, it says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had went, sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat unto the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, sleeping on a pillow. And they awaked him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said to the seas, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. 
And he said unto them, Why are ye so afraid, uh, fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one toward another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The storms of life will come. And it's an amazing thing that when the storms of life that comes upon us, that it is Christ that is present and with us that gives us calmness. And, uh, and everybody goes through problems and goes through difficulties and disappointments in life, but it is the presence of God that gives us that calmness to be able to go through whatever it is that we're facing. Calmness just simply means this. It means not showing or feeling nervousness, anger, or other emotions. And so you're just at peace with God. And it's the peace of God that passes all understanding. And, uh, and don't think for one minute that because you're a Christian, you're not going to have to go through some storms. You're not going to have to go through some difficulties. The reality is you will have to face those storms and difficulties in your life. And you need the presence of Christ, the reality of the presence of Christ, that'll give you calmness to be able to get through the storm. And so first of all, notice the storms come unexpectedly. Because it says here in Mark chapter 4 that he said to them, let us pass over unto the other side. Just, just a common thing. You're just going to do what we do when we get from one place to another. Let's just get in the ship and go on the other side. And the normal course of life, just making decisions about where you're going or where you're at or what you're doing, the storms will come unexpectedly. It says in verse 36, it says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. So it's amazing. We often think about just this one ship, uh, that the boat, the boat that the disciples are on and Jesus is on with them. But there were other ships also that were there. And so it comes uh, unexpectedly. And when it comes, it comes on everyone. And Jesus said the sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain comes on the just and the unjust. And oftentimes we look at tragedies and difficulties in life and we start to question the reality of who God is and where he is and what he can do in our life because of the storm of life. But the reality is the storms come on you and also comes on your neighbor. And it comes unexpectedly. They just did the normal thing. They got in the ship to go on the other side of the sea, and uh, here comes the storm. And when you're living your life, just going about your life in a way to bring glory to God and to live for the Lord, don't be shocked when fiery trials come upon you. Don't be displaced in your heart and your mind because there's a difficulty that you have to get over. The reality is it's the presence of Christ in our life that gives us that calmness where our nerves are not shot, our, our, our conscience is not seared, our attitude is not rotten. We know that because Christ is in us, it's not the circumstances in our life, it's the reality of the presence of Christ in our life. And so the storm always come unexpectedly. You know, you can't look at the news and say, well, I'm going to watch the weatherman and he'll let me know when the storm is coming because 99% of the time he's wrong. <laughs> You're not going to get the warning from him. 
And you're, listen, and people try to predict the outcome of our society, the outcome of the world in which we live in, and they get it wrong. The reality is you cannot depend upon man. You have to depend on the calmness that comes with the presence of Christ in your life. And it's based on a promise that God had given to them that I am with you. And so the storms come unexpectedly. You either you're, they often say either you've been through a storm, you're in a storm, or you're going to be in a storm. And I don't know where you are this morning, but I just know this. The storms, I tell you, they have a tendency to knock us on our heels. But in the storms of life, Christ has not abandoned you. Oftentimes a problem or a tragedy comes into someone's life and right away they say, well, where is God? He's right where he's always been. He's with you. He hasn't changed his place. Your attitude towards him may have changed. Your, your concept of who God is may have changed, but God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in the storms of life, that the storms come unexpectedly. Notice in verse 37, it, they comes, the storms come overwhelmingly. In verse 37, it says, There arose a storm, a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. It was overwhelming. It, the storm was so aggressive, it was so burdensome that literally these sailors, these men who were professional fishermen, who are used to being on the sea in storms, uh, now are overwhelmed with the reality the ship is filling up with water, and now we are in a, a fearful situation. It's overwhelming. And I just know, I just know that some of the storms in life, there's been times in my life I'll say, I just can't take one more, you know. I've heard people say, and I know I've said it, I, I thought God would not give us more than we can handle. Everybody says that. But do we believe that when it, when it gets to the point where you figure you can't handle it? When it gets to a point of being overwhelming in your life, can you believe God and trust God at that very moment? Can you hold on to the promise that Jesus said he'll be with you no matter what's going on? And so the storms of life, uh, they come on upon us unexpectedly and they are overwhelming. When you think about everything you have to do in life, uh, with your family, with your job, with your ministries, with your, your testimony, everything you're doing, and the devil just starts throwing things at you. He just starts heaving those uh, darts at you, and uh, you just say, wait, it's just too much for me to be able to go on. Well, wait a minute. You know, remember Job and all that Job went through. Uh, Job certainly could have come to the point of uh, expecting God to work in his life and uh, question God's uh, way and his will for his life. But wait a minute. Job, being overwhelmed, still rejoiced in the fact that his God was real and his God was with him. And so no matter what you go through or what you face or what difficulty you're going, uh, that you think you can't handle, I just want you to know it's the presence of God in your life that's going to give you the ability to handle that. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And when you don't think you can go on, that's when God will take care of things and go on for you in your life. And so the storms come overwhelmingly. I see another thing in verse 30, uh, 38, that it comes collectively. Notice in verse 38, it says, And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And so here he is, he's in the back of the ship, he's sound asleep, 
And they collectively, all of them together, are questioning whether God cared for them or not. And uh, when, listen, uh, um, the storms that are in your life are going to affect the people that are around you. And, uh, and oftentimes we forget that, wait a minute, uh, financial problems, sickness, whatever it may be, uh, it comes on you and it comes on everyone that's around you also. The other ships, they don't say how many little, little ships were out there, but there was other ships that were out there. The storm was affecting them also. And so it comes collectively on us. And uh, so don't, don't think you're immune. Too much of this present-day false teaching in churches in reference to health, wealth, and prosperity is teaching that if you're a Christian and you have faith to believe that you don't have to worry about having any problems in your life. Well, you've got a whole lot of explanation to do to the people that are in the Bible. Because I'm going to tell you, they all had trials. They all had difficulties. They all experienced failures. They all experienced successes. They all had to go through things together or by themselves because the storms in life don't care who they overwhelm. The storms in life don't care who they're coming against. The storms in life are collective in that it catches every one of us. And so storms in life, I need the presence of God. But not only that, but it comes fearfully. Notice he, it says here in verse 38, uh, Carest thou not that we perish? Fear. Fear that they're going to lose their lives out on the sea. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we go through the storm in life, uh, we get a false assumption of what the outcome is going to be. Sometimes when the storms are overwhelming us and it's affecting so many of us and our family or our friends or whatever it may be, we develop a spirit of fear thinking that I'm not going to be able to make it. And I'm going to tell you over the years, there's been many, many places in my life where I was fearful because I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to get through this. I don't see how I can get through this. But yet God was faithful. And God, in the presence of the storm, is able to get you through the storm with a spirit of calmness and resting in the fact that he is aware of who you are and what it is that you're going through. Jesus, listen, he was God in the flesh. Before he ever sat in that boat, he knew what was going to be the outcome. Before the first move of wind came across the face of the waters, Jesus Christ already knew the, the, the situation that the disciples were going to find them in. But wait a minute, the disciples weren't looking to that. They were just looking at the sun, the calm seas, and the opportunity to go on the other side of the sea. And they weren't taking in consideration whatsoever their lack of skills to be able to deal with the situation. Uh, the dangers that would be involved in a storm that was so severe that it would literally uh, put their boat on, a, uh, on the brink of sinking. They had no concept whatsoever what the future had to hold for them, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did. And uh, the amazing thing is we don't have to be overcome and distressed with fear in life thinking that you're going to perish. You understand a Christian never perishes? Uh, Jesus told uh, the, uh, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though you're dead, yet shall he live. Somebody dies in Christ, they don't perish. They have everlasting life. Uh, what in the world can the world do to us? 
If the disciples were to drown out on the sea and that boat had sunk and they drowned out there, they wouldn't perish. They would have gone into the presence of God. So the storms of life cannot rob us of the joy and the excitement and the expectation of what God's going to do because he has promised, I am with you. And because he said, I am with you, that means that he is greater than the storm. In verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the seas, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. At the word of Jesus Christ, everything came into existence. At the word of Jesus Christ, everything will come to an end. It was at the word of Jesus Christ that the storm was calmed in the life of the disciples. When a storm comes upon you, realize this, you need to get a promise from God. That's when you flee to the word. Oftentimes, this is what happens. Tragedies hit people's lives, and the first thing they do, they stop reading their Bible. Tragedies hit people's lives, the first thing they do, or the second thing they do, is they just stop going to church. Then uh, tragedies get more and more difficult to overcome, and because you're away from God, fear keeps gripping your heart and gripping your heart, and you think there's no way out because of the fact that you've forgotten that Jesus Christ is greater than the storm that you're in. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so I am with you gives me the assurance, no matter what may come my way, I know that Jesus Christ is bigger, stronger, greater, more powerful than anything that would come into my life. Now, I somewhat allow the flesh and the devil instill fear in my heart. Because you say that, I remember my dad years ago, my dad got saved and he gave a challenge to the devil. And uh, he told me, he said, <laughs> he said, boy, I learned real quick, you don't challenge him. And uh, boy, you talk about storms in life. He went through some storms in his life because of that. And I'm, I'm, when I'm saying this, that God is bigger than the storms that may come in my life, I don't need to be fearful of storms that may come. I'm like, uh, Lord, make sure to put a hedge around me and protect me because I think I'll get attacked real quick over this thing. And uh, I just know this. I am with me, with you, affirms the fact that it's Christ that is greater than a storm. Then also in verse 40, I see not only is he greater than the storm, uh, he is more powerful than our fears. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He is more powerful than my fears. I'll tell you, people get distressed and depressed and defeated in their life because they're so fearful of people, so fearful of the world, so fearful of storms, so fearful of what may take place. Wait a minute, Christ is more powerful than your fears. He said, why are you so fearful? God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.7. If that's true, if my life is being distraught and overwhelmed with a spirit of fear, then who's given it to me? Because the Bible says that that doesn't come from Christ. And so it's got to be my flesh. Either I'm looking at things through the eyes or through the prism of what my flesh can comprehend, which my flesh can't comprehend a lot. And I certainly don't know what the future holds. 
And I allowed the present circumstances to grip fear in my heart. Wait a minute. If I'm overwhelmed with fear, I need to go to God and recognize the fact, wait a minute, he's more powerful than my fears. I don't need fear to control my life. I don't need fear to manipulate my desires in my life. I just need to have the presence of God who is more greater and stronger and more powerful than all the fears that may grip me. So it's either my flesh or I'm just allowing the world to put fear in me or it's the devil instilling fear in me. Now, wait a minute. I just need to rest in the presence of God that he has promised that he would never leave me nor forsake me. And because of that, then I can overcome my fears. I see that he is superior than all. In verse 41, it says, They feared exceedingly and said one towards another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? You realize this this morning, that the Christ who calmed the seas in the life of the disciples in Mark chapter 4 is the Christ who is with you. And he is superior to all that is around you. He's superior to everything is in the world. So I am with you in the, in the storms of life. Look over in John chapter 5. He is with you in sincere healings. And the amazing thing is in John chapter 5 and verse 1, it tells us, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come... Oh, wait a minute, I don't want to be in uh, uh, Mark. <laughs> I want to go in John. I'm like, I'm not talking about the maniac of Gadara, although he's a good one to talk about. Oh, um, in John chapter 5, in uh, verse 1, it says, And um, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida. Uh, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind and halt and withered and waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been a, now a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith to him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Wow. And immediately the man made, was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. So I see not only storms in life, Christ's present gives us calmness. I see sincere healings in life provides deliverance in our life. And the amazing thing is this, the deliverance just simply means the process of being rescued or set free. This young man needed to be rescued, and he needed to be set free. Why? Because he was in continual bondage. In uh, verse 5, it says a certain man was there 38 years. For 38 years, this man was in bondage to this infirmity. And I'm going to tell you, the, the sin, uh, 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 health issues, uh, the world is oppressive, 
brings bondage on us that it's continuing we can't get out of. I was out in California there interviewing, and I was a young fellow I talked to. He wasn't looking for a job. He was actually a freshman. And uh, I was talking to him. I did more talking to the other people than I did people who were looking for jobs. Nobody wants to come to New Jersey. So, I mean, it's like you walk around with uh, unclean on the top of your forehead. Uh, they're scared. To, people are scared to death of the Northeast. And I was talking to one guy. He said, you know what? I was, I, he said, I was up that area. I went out soul winning. I mean, people are yelling at you and this, that, and the other. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't waste any time soul winning in New Jersey. Because either you knock on the door and they'll talk to you, or you knock on the door and they say, get off my step. And I said, you know, it's time to go to another step, amen. And so you don't waste any time. But anyway, I was talking to this young fella, and he was 32 years old. 32 years old, and he told me, he said, you know what, I'm so glad I found Jesus. Somebody witnessed to me. He delivered me from drugs and alcohol. He said, my life was a mess. He said, I just surrendered my life to the Lord. He said, I'm just a little freshman. I don't know what God's going to do in my life. I'm so excited about it. I mean, he stirred me up. I got excited. I said, well, you know what? I was an alcoholic. God delivered me. You know, we're sharing war stories. Amen. How God, the power of God and the grace of God that brings healing in a man's life. And that healing releases him from the bondage that he's in. I don't understand why present-day Christianity can't connect with the reality of the deliverance that we have in Jesus Christ. He's set us free. He's rescued us because the bondage is continual. Not only that, but a, there is a confident request in verse 6. He, Jesus saw that he knew that he was in this case a long time. He just simply says, wilt thou be made whole? You know, it's very simple when you go soul winning. All you do is ask people, do you want to be saved? All you have to do is ask people, do you want to go to heaven? The reality is some people don't want to go to heaven. The reality is, I remember witnessing, and I often use this line, this approach. I would talk to someone, if you died today, do you know 100% sure that you would go to heaven? And they say, no, nobody can know that. And I follow up with that. Well, if you could know, would you like to know? That's basically what this Jesus is saying to him. Would you like to be healed? If you could be healed, would you like to be healed? You've been in bondage for 38 years, and no one's reached out to help you or try to, to deliver you. If you could be delivered, would you like to be delivered? The amazing thing is, as I've asked people that, if you could know, would you like to know how many people have told me over the years no? I look at him, so you, I tell him, so you're telling me that you don't want to know when you die whether you're going to heaven or hell, because that's the only choices. No, I don't want to know. Well, you'll have to die in your sins, because I can't deliver a man. Only Christ can deliver. The presence of Christ that brought deliverance in this man's life. It wasn't the presence of the disciples. It wasn't the religion of Judaism. It certainly wasn't the rule of Herod. It was the presence of Christ that brought deliverance. And what people need to see that there is healing power spiritually, and yes, at times physically, there is healing power that comes from God Almighty, and it's not based on man's abilities or man's experiences. It's based on the reality of the presence of the Son of God. 
There's confident bond, uh, continual bondage, a confident request, and then there's a conscious experience. I love it in verse 8. Jesus simply says, rise, take thy bed and walk. Uh, I'm thankful the Lord didn't meet, make deliverance difficult. I, I, I'm afraid that if Jesus was involved in some of the present-day soul-winning techniques, uh, they, they would try to confuse and muddy the waters. The, the conscious experience is this. If any man be in Christ, it didn't say if some men. It said, didn't say all men. It said if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a conscious experience. All the years I've people say, well, I've asked them, do you know for sure you're saved? you know when God sets you free from your sin? Well, I really don't know. I'm going to tell you, if God delivers you, you know when you get delivered. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the time because it was in the middle of the night. I was asleep and God woke me up in the middle of the night and convicted my heart and my soul. I don't remember the day. I didn't know I needed that to be able to be filled in in Baptist rolls that I got saved on such and such day. All I know is in the middle of the night, God convicted me of my sin. And when I got out of bed, I knelt by my bed and I cried out to God and I asked God to forgive me of my sin. I didn't ask him to change my life. I didn't ask him to give me things. I didn't ask him to do anything for my life. I said, God, if I die today, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Will you save me? Hallelujah. He let me free. Sincere healing that takes place. I like what Matthew Henry said. He said, come see the victories of the cross. You know, there still are victories at the cross of Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. You say, this world needs healing. America needs healing. Our churches need healing. Our people need healing. My family needs healing. I'm going to tell you where it comes from. It comes from Christ and from Christ alone. Amen. Come see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healings. His agonies, thy repose. His conflicts, thy conquests. His groanings, thy songs. His pain, thine ease. His shame, thy glory. His death, thy life. His sufferings, thy salvation. I am with you, he said. And it is the presence of Christ that brings sincere healing. And it's the presence of Christ that overcomes the storms of life. And then there's salvation that is offered. All the way back in Psalm 142, Psalm 142, in the verse 4 through 7, salvation that is offered. You know, I got saved and never got over it. I saw that young man, I talked to that young man I was telling you about. On Friday, I went back over, I didn't have any interviews to do, but I, so I went in the bookstore to buy a couple of books, and I uh, he come walking in there. I didn't see him. I was looking at some books wherever he came in. Hey, Pastor Wargo, how you doing? I mean, he was all excited because he was like, you know, oh, he wanted to talk about the Lord again and how the Lord had delivered him and all of this. And I thought, my goodness gracious, when somebody gets saved, and I mean they get saved, it makes a difference in their life. The salvation that God offers in Psalm 142 and verse 4. 
says, I looked on my right hand, and behold, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Realize how many people are crying out that cry today. No man cared for my soul. We characterize our society in America by being a selfish society. Everything revolves about what I want, what I want to experience, what I need in my life. We've become a selfish society. It creates this environment. No man cared for my soul. Then in verse 5, he says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Salvation is offered. A couple of things. Notice the compassion that was needed. In verse 5, he said, I cried unto thee, O Lord, and I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. I'm going to tell you, compassion. We need compassion on people as Jesus had compassion on people. He saw the multitudes going about as a sheep having no shepherd, and the Bible says he had compassion on them. If there is one thing people are longing for today is someone to be compassionate toward them. Someone to show that they love you, that they love them. Uh, the storms in life and the need for healing in life can rob us of having a compassionate heart. I think I skipped over what forgiveness is, didn't I? Did I skip over that, Daniel? Amen. Why didn't you yell at me? Amen. <laughs> Salvation is offered means there's forgiveness. And there you go. Daniel's right on top of it back there. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is to excuse an offense. That's what forgiveness is. I've heard you hear people say, well, I just can't forgive. You know what that means? That means you can't excuse the offense. You know why we're saved when we can be saved? Because God excuses our offense. God releases us from that offense. And so forgiveness brings salvation uh, that is offered by Christ. It's based on compassion. And he cries out, no man cared for my soul. But he cried unto the Lord because the Lord was his refuge. And I want you to know this morning that there is still salvation that brings forgiveness of our sin because of the compassion of God. I see not only compassion, but I see confession. In verse 6, he says, attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors for they are stronger than I. Confession. He's acknowledging his need. I think of David. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin. I think of Peter. Peter would cry out, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It is an alarming thing that we have abandoned the concept that there must be confession of sin. We, we, have, we have so degraded salvation that we have degraded salvation to the point, well, God loves you, so just call on the Lord and tell him how much you love him. Wait a minute, where's the confession of sin? Where's the repentance of the heart? 
we must have compassion on those that are lost because they need to know the thing that's binding them up, they can be forgiven, they can be released from that if they'll acknowledge their sin before God. And so I see compassion, I see confession, I see conversion in verse 7. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. Uh, conversion delivers a man from his prison. John chapter 8 and verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. The conversion that God brings in a part, on the heart of an individual, when we recognize it is the presence of God uh, that is needed in our life. Christians, we need to be reminded that no matter how hard the storm is, Christ is with you. Need to be reminded, no matter what the healing is necessary, there is deliverance because God is with us. And the salvation that is offered to mankind is not a salvation that is based on religion. It's based on the person of Jesus Christ. We want to present to them who Jesus Christ is because in order for them to be saved, they need God in their life. They need Jesus Christ in their life. And that's why he said, I am with you. And I'm thankful that he tagged on to that always. You say, well, wait a minute. So sometimes I don't feel that God is close to me. Well, he's still there. You say, well, just sometimes I don't feel like God cares about me. He's still with you. Uh, you say, well, I just, I just don't know whether I'm saved or not. Well, then if you don't have the assurance of the presence of God, maybe you need to be saved. I was talking with someone not too long ago, and I told them, I said, listen, you're the only one. They said, well, I'm not sure I'm saved. I told them, you're the only one who knows whether you're saved or not. I, I can guarantee you, hands down, hands down, that I know I'm saved. But I can't, I, I can't testify to whether you're saved or not. There's only one person who can do that, and that's you. Because God's Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if I don't have that witness in me, it's because Christ is not present with me. And if he's not present with me, then I need to be saved. I need to receive him as my Savior. As many as received him, to them gave me the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so it's the presence of Christ. I'll tell you, we preach on the Great Commission. We talk about the Great Commission. We share the Great Commission. And we memorize the Great Commission. But we forget the promise in the Great Commission. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And then he says, amen. He seals it. Amen. Let it be so. And God's people said, amen. 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 I knew I'd get an amen out of you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I am with you. I don't know what tragedy you're facing. I don't know what heartache you're going through. I don't know what's coming up in the future. But I know this. God has not abandoned you. Amen. Everything can fall apart, but God still hasn't abandoned you. Everything can be blessed, but God hasn't abandoned you. He said, I'm always with you. And then you start looking at the lives of the disciples after he makes that statement. I'm sure, listen, I'm sure they were saying in their hearts, I'm glad he reminded us 
that he's with us. And God is with you. Let's pray. My Father, I thank you so much. It's an amazing thought that God, you never leave us nor forsake us. It's an amazing thought that you're the Lord, you change not. It's amazing that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, it's amazing that never once, just never once, did you ever abandon us. And so, God, I prayed you'd encourage and strengthen believers this morning with that truth. I pray if there's someone here that doesn't have that assurance, they don't have that peace, the awareness that Christ is with them, I pray they might come when we'd be able to take the Bible and show them how to be saved. And so, bless in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's